Romans chapter 6 verse 13 it says uh, do not let any part of your bodies become tools of wickedness to be used for sinners but give yourselves completely to God every part of you for you are back from the dead you want to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes I truly believe when you give your life all in completely committed to God man your life will radically transform we're not holding back and so today I just want to speak to you on this subject an all-in father an all-in father so the Holy Spirit took me to Isaiah chapter 9 and like I said I really don't have a, a message for you today but I really just want to talk to you if you want to hear me preach I'll be here next Sunday we don't charge at the door it'll be free but I really just want to talk to you Isaiah chapter 9 the Holy Spirit kept bringing this to me throughout the whole week just just marinating it in it and it says for a child is born to us a son is given to us the government will rest on his shoulders he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace we'll do that one more time it says for for a child is born to us a son is given to us the government will rest on his shoulder he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father can we bow our heads and close our eyes father we thank you for these brief moments oh god maybe about 11 minutes that we have to share but we pray Lord that you can speak to hearts today we thank you that we can celebrate our good good father our daddy on this Father's Day oh God let the world know that there's a father that loves them. we thank you Jesus for your grace and your mercy we thank you that you have given us an amazing opportunity to reach Staten Island you've given us an opportunity oh God to pass an amazing church that I get to be the father of some amazing children and I'm married to the most gorgeous woman on the planet Lisa Remedios in Jesus name we pray I'm gonna get a shout amen amen, amen. Um, so I don't know what's wrong with the mic but uh, I don't know if you guys noticed but I'm, I'm a Hispanic all right um, and I was raised in a Hispanic home, and like I said, I, I kind of want to share just a brief, some of my testimony. Um, I usually uh, haven't really been completely transparent with, um, you know, some of the things that God has delivered me from, or where I come from, or where I've been, and and so, and so, the, you know, I just want to share some things, and maybe some of the things that I share today are going to be difficult. I'm going to share today are going to be difficult for us to hear. Uh, but I got permission. I got permission to share. And um, so, I don't know if you noticed, I was raised in a Hispanic home. And uh, I don't know about you, but Hispanics are raised pretty, pretty unique. Is that all right? Like, Hispanics are raised pretty unique. Uh, I don't know if you know, but if you were raised in a Hispanic home and you were a visitor... You are not allowed to go in the fridge without permission. Yeah. Can I get an amen here? I don't know what to talk about, right? Yeah. Like, you cannot go to a Hispanic home uh, and, and 
And as a child, like nowadays, kids have an interesting word. It's called bored. It's an amazing word. Hey, daddy, I'm bored. You know, growing up in a Hispanic home. Now, by the way, if you're Hispanic and you were not raised this way, you were not raised in a Hispanic home, even though your parents are Hispanic. You might have been raised in what our Hispanic home would call an Americanized home. All right? But kids have nowadays this word called bored. We were not allowed to use this word called bored because if you said the word bored, the next thing you hear out of your mother's mouth is, that means, well, you better start cleaning. And so we never, and another thing, like one of the things that in his Hispanic home that nowadays that people are, are bored, guess what? We weren't bored, we were creative. So we, we did something called inventing games. Oh my God, we invented games. It's amazing. And you know what I found interesting? Uh, my wife's friend came over and you know what I found so, like I was absolutely mesmerized. There was this eight-year-old kid. You know what he was doing? He was talking in an adult conversation. He was like, yeah, of course, yeah, you know. This happened and this happened. I'm looking at him like, oh my God. If you were born in my era. You, it was called the backhanded smack. That one came out of nowhere. Like you didn't even see it coming. You got hit and you didn't even get told until you went to your room and they had a conversation of why you got hit. All right? I was raised in a Hispanic home. Like there, there's some things in a Hispanic home that, in a Hispanic home, I'll tell you this much. Vicks fixes everything. In a Hispanic home, every cereal is called cornflakes. You know what I'm talking about? In a Hispanic home, there's at least one family member named Jesus. I'm just saying, Jesus, where you at? You're here somewhere. <laughs> I was raised you know, oftentimes I'm asked, Pastor Roe, uh, what do you give your, you became a pastor, and do you give some of that credit to your father? You know, your father uh, maybe instilled you in God's ways, and you know, my mother raised us, and my father was in my life until about I was 14 years old. And my father came from Cuba. Many of us, many of you guys think I'm Puerto Rican. I'm not really Puerto Rican. I just make believe like I am because everybody's cool. Like, yeah, what are you calling? I'm just joking. And, uh, you know, I'm really... And so for me, it was like, well, I don't really give credence to my father for that. And I wish I could tell you I could. I wish I could say, hey, you know what? Daddy was my hero. You know, I was on Instagram today and I'm like jealous of everyone. Like, because I'm like, everybody's giving a shout out to their dad. And, and I wish I could sit here and be like, yo, man, you know, my father was my hero. My father was, he was just my leader. He had these fond memories of my father. And I could say, yeah, my father, he just did so much with us. And my father uh, uh, taught us the, the good things in life. My, my father taught me how to shave and he taught me how to be a man. I wish I could share a lot of those things with you and I, and I wish I could sit here and I could say those things, but the truth is that my earliest memory of my father, and this is, this is not a bashing thing, please don't misunderstand, I just want to share with you some of my testimony. What's interesting is that my earliest memory of my father is an abusive one. 
the earliest memory I have of my dad is him literally beating my mother. That's the earliest, the first memory I have, maybe about five, six years old. The earliest memory I have of my father is him beating my mom to a bloody mess with an antenna from the back of a TV. That's the earliest, and again, I wish my mind was filled, and I wish I could stand here at 33 years old as a pastor of a, an amazing church and say, man, I have such amazing memories of my dad, and, and um, I, I wish I could, but I can't. These memories that I have of my dad were very abusive. I remember times where my father literally football kicked me in the face, and I started to gush blood out of my mouth and my nose. I remember being whipped with uh, cables on the back of my on my back simply because I didn't pray loud enough. Don't get all scared. It's okay. I'm, it's gonna get good in a second. Don't worry. So my father was in our lives about 14 years old, and I remember at 14 years old. Um, it was kind of like the last battle. You know, this, this person that we grew up to see and, and perceive as a monster was continuously and regularly abusive. We would wake up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to try to leave and escape the house because he was that much of an abuser. I, I remember a time where he took up, I, I was trying to collect uh, marble cards. And my father found out that I had too many of them. And because I was putting my marble cards over God, he, he took my marble cards and he dumped them in a metal container and he put gasoline on them. And I, had must, I must have had thousands of dollars worth of marble cards. And he, lit the, he put gas on it inside the house and lit it up on fire and made me watch. I remember that night, I, I went up to my mom and I, and I was like, Mom, I'm ready to kill him. I'm, I'm ready to do it. Don't try that at home, by the way. I'm just saying, don't. I, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to, I'm, I'm ready to do it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm only 11 right now. I believe I was about 11 years old. And I, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to set my father on fire. I'm ready to hang him. I'm ready to do something. Let's do it at night. I, I made the plan and everything. I had, these are the thoughts that I have of my father, um, and again, most of you guys that are here, you guys know I, I haven't even shared most of this. You guys don't even know this of me. And I remember one time that I was, uh, we had already moved to Staten Island and I had, I was upstairs and that was the, that, that was the time where wrestling was good. You remember when wrestling was good? Not, not, not the way it is now, like these fake wrestlers, I'm just saying. Like, that's when wrestling was good. That's when Goldberg was at, was at his prime in WCW. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody tell the truth and shame the devil. Uh, that's when uh, The Rock, right? He had just portrayed, like, mankind. You remember that? That was, like, the, the worst, right? And uh, I, I was just... I, I got into wrestling, so I knew some wrestling moves. And I remember hearing my mom scream downstairs. And it was, like, this panic scream. And I remember running downstairs and what I faced was my father on top of my mom punching down at her face and her body. At that time, again, I was 14 years old, so I had already, I just saw Goldberg, you know, do the, you know what I mean? Like he, 
I was just like, I think I could do this. And I remember grabbing my father, and whether he would have killed me or not, I remember grabbing my father and like rock bottom, doing the rock bottom. And I picked up my father as high as I can. And it was like at that moment that I took out every single bit of pain that he inflicted on us, every single bit of, uh, of, of, of torture that he, he put us through, and I picked him up and I slammed him as hard as a 14-year-old boy can. And I just remember that my father was a little shaken because that was the first time I ever hit my father. And I grabbed him from the floor and I threw him like in this laundry slash closet and I locked him in there. I remember my mother was panicking and she was terrified and she was like, she thought he was gonna kill me. I thought he was gonna kill me. And I remember walking outside and my father grabbed the knife and he went and he went to stab me. You know? Woo! <laughs> And he went to stab me, and um, I'm telling you, come next week if you want to hear me preach. <laughs> um, and he swung at me so hard that I moved out the way, and when I moved out the way, he hit the metal gate that was in front of me, and just sparks started flying. Then a couple of a years ago, you know, I grew up, 17 years old, 18 years old. And I remember that, that feeling of being 18 and saying, I did it. I did it. I'm good. I'm good. Listen, I'm good. I'm an adult now. I'm going to college, right? Props to that one semester that I did. Hallelujah, holla back. <laughs> like one semester, praise God. And I remember thinking like, hey, who needs a father now? I'm good. And I literally thought that I was okay. And I, I signed up for Bible Institute. I, I started studying the Bible and I had an encounter with Jesus at 17. And I remember that I was at a Misfits conference and there was a preacher preaching. And, I, and he, was a preaching a good, he was preaching a good message, but it was then that, that moment where God started speaking to me. And he said, you know, you've always desired a father figure in your life. You've always wanted a father. And it was in that moment that I looked at my life and I said, my God, what I've gone through, many people haven't gone through. And I went through it all without a dad. And the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear. He said, you may have thought you didn't have a dad, but just because you didn't have an earthly father in your life, doesn't mean that you didn't have an eternal father in your life. I look at Isaiah, and Isaiah starts communicating this messianic prophecy, and he, and he used wonderful names to explain God. And he starts using names like Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I look at Prince of Peace, and I look at Wonderful Counselor. I look at these names like Mighty God, and I could identify and I could see God and I could see him as a wonderful counselor. This word wonderful in the original language means incomprehensible. 
That means that He is so amazing that you cannot even understand or begin to wrap your mind around or begin to ascertain the goodness of this counselor that we serve. So I can see God with this greatness and I can see Him as the mighty God and I can see Him as the Prince of Peace. But to see Him as Father? Well, Father doesn't have very well connotations for me. I say, I see, he's a wonderful counselor. He's, he's a, a counselor is a good, God is good, Prince of Peace, but to see him as my dad, like you don't understand, like I don't have a good correlation with dad and goodness. This is oftentimes why many believers come and, and many people come to church and they, and they hear this father and they begin to subconsciously relate to God in the ways that they relate to their earthly father. But I, I came to hear, tell someone today that even if we have the greatest earthly father, it pales in comparison to the eternal father that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what, what Isaiah begins, let's check this out, check this out. What Isaiah, do I have a time clock? Isaiah begins to communicate what the people of Israel need or what the nation, he's, he's, he's given this messianic prophecy about who Jesus comes to give and who Jesus comes to be in the life of his people. And he says, he's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to bring peace. He's going to be a mighty God. But I want to let you know that he's also going to be your dad. He's also, if you need this, listen, if you needed more, if you needed more education in your life or more, he would have brought an educator. If you needed more money in your life, he would have bought you a bank. But God speaks to the need in your life that you don't even know you have until you experience who he is. And you start looking at him and just start looking and in amazement and start saying, God, I needed a father all this time. I start visiting my own life and my own memories and I say, God, you were there every step of the way. In the absence of my father, you were my heavenly father. You were my eternal father. You were my ever everlasting father. And I thank God that Jesus comes into the picture to introduce this, what many seem as a foreign concept of God. That God is not some type of cosmic cop in the universe. He's not some divine being that is disconnected with his creation. But he is a heavenly, eternal, everlasting Father. Amen. I think you can give God some praise right now. I'm going to give you four things. Write these down. I'm past my time already. Blame it on Aaron. He, no, I'm just joking. I'm going to give you God some praise for Aaron. Yes. My goodness. For amazing worship. If you're disconnected, if you, don't, if you can't identify, the best way you can identify, listen to me. The best way you can identify with the God of the universe is as father and son, father and daughter father and child best way best way 
Nothing, nothing more amazing. Listen, you can call them every name in the book. The name that Jesus Christ reveals is Daddy. He never called them Elohim, El Elyon. He never called them any of those names. He just said Daddy. Doesn't it sound more spiritual when we start using these poetic, amazing names, right? El Shaddai. Adam. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. God says, take all those names, put them in a pill, and it's called Daddy. Woo! He says, take all those names, wrap them up in a smorgasbord of a melting pot. And call it daddy. That's my daddy right there. Because if you say daddy, you say El, El Shaddai. If you say uh, daddy, you say Jehovah Jireh. If you say daddy, you, you, you're saying every single name that was revealed throughout the all through the history of the Bible. You can say in one name, you say every name that was revealed about our God. And that's Abba Father. It says everlasting Father. Number one, God. God is a caring Father. We're done. I promise you, we're done for the first time. The second time will be in two minutes. God is a caring father. Peter says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. He's a caring father. See, he says, he says, the reason that you cast your cares upon this father is not simply because he's capable, though he is. But the reason that you can cast your cares upon this father is because he cares about what you care about. What do you mean, Pastor Roe? He cares about my issues, my finances, my marriage. You mean, Pastor Roe, he cares that if, if I'm late for work and, and I need help? He cares if he cares if I'm looking for parking and there's no parking and can he help me out? God cares about what you care about. He's not just writing out a check because he got it like that. He's writing out a check because... He loves you like that. Woo! God is a caring father. Number two, God is a capable father. Let me remind you of who God is. Jeremiah 32, he says, I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is anything too hard for me? I want to look at some of you today that you have been looking at your issues, you have been looking at your circumstances. And God is before you and saying, he's saying this to you, he's saying, did you forget who I was? This is God reminding his people. This is not God telling him for the first time. This is God reminding his people. He's saying, is anything too hard for me? Did you not see me free the people of Israel from years of slavery? Did you not see the miracles that I performed? Did you not see the ten plagues? Did you not see me deliver you into the promised land? Did you not, if I delivered you yesterday, I can yes. deliver you today, and I can deliver you tomorrow. Hallelujah. Sorry, I'm screaming. Amen. I told you I was in Spanish. This is not to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within him. Someone shot, he's capable. God is a capable father. Number three. God is a consistent father. Amen. So many in our, things in our lives, so many variables in our lives that are not consistent. 
There's so many things that are here today and they're gone tomorrow. There's so many promises that were made at one point in our life that they weren't kept. And what God wants to communicate, even from our own fathers, and huge shout out to every father that's represented here, every father that stood in the gap, every father that took the, the, the place of a, another father who neglected their child, every stepfather who stepped into the equation and said, I am going to shepherd, I am going to lead, I'm going to father. But let's look at the God that we serve. And if my kids trust me, and I, I am not as consistent as my Heavenly Father. If my kids can put all their faith in me, then I can put all my faith in a consistent Father. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows? This term shifting sh shadows literally means who is not deceitful, who doesn't change his mind here and there. Can you imagine if our God changed his mind about you? Can you imagine if one day he says, I like a man. The next day, you didn't pray enough, I don't like a man. The following day, you prayed for half an hour, I like Amir a little bit more. The, the, the fourth day, Amir prays for two hours. He can't even take a shower because the water splits in half. So, so anointed he is. Two-hour prayers. God's, no, God is not like that because God doesn't love you. God doesn't love you because of how good you are. He loves you because of how good he is. Amen. And he's consistent with his love. I don't know about you, but I can give God some praise for that. Number four, and I'm done. I'm done, I'm done. He's a consistent father, and he is a close father. Close father. I'm reminded of... I'm reminded of a prodigal son. And a son, a father with two sons. And we can go through the narrative of the story, but I just want to kind of touch in and hone in on this one part. The Bible says that when the son decided to return, it was because of a memory of he had of how good his father was. You know, this parable is not really the parable of a prodigal son. The, the parable truly is the parable of a good father. It's a parable of a good father. And the Bible says that while he was far off, the father ran to him. I want to let you know this afternoon that no matter how far you think you are from God, He's willing to run your way. My God, He's willing to run your way. Just with the thought, just with the thought of His goodness that leads you to repentance, God says, I'm ready to run to you. He is a close Father. Matthew chapter 6 says this and we're done here what? watch this it says that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life I, I want you to kind of I don't know if you've read this scripture before but I, I saw this the other day that I've read the scripture a thousand times preached it a million times 
but I saw something in the scripture that I never saw before. And uh, it says, that's why I tell you not to worry about your everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't in life more, isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing? I read that and I'm like, is there like, is there anything more than food? Like, food is pretty important. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? Look what it says. It says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. It says, for your, your heavenly father feeds them. Now, again, we kind of look through the scripture and we just kind of like pass through it. You know, we've read, heard it through the ages. But he's talking to them about how he provides to creation independent from sonship. Anybody want to join Reuben right there? One. Uh, he, he, he says, he says, listen, check them out. I don't even have a father-son relationship with them, but check them out. Look at the birds. I created them. I created all, but I don't got a father-son relationship the way I do with, with you. Now look, look what he says. Look what he says. He says, how, he, he asked the question, how is it that you see yourself? Why? Because look what he says. He says, Father feeds him. And are you far more valuable to him than they are? Wait, what? He says, the reason that you're worrying about all this mess is because you don't see the value that your father sees in you. He says, the reason that you, you know what he says? He says, those are the thoughts that plague those that are, are not in relationship with God. Why? Because they have reason to. They don't have a relationship with their father. But if you have a relationship with your father, he says, man, do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know that you're far more valuable than them? And I take care of them? I provide for them? I make sure they're good? I make sure they look amazing? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself the way that God of the universe that is our heavenly father sees he's a good good father you know that is the father we serve he's close to you he's more closer than you think he's not some distant being that cannot relate to what you're going through he says I've taken care of those and those things that I don't have a father-son relationship with. Could you imagine what I will do for your life if you believe that you should give God some praise all over this room? I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I'm right there where you are. ask you to get up on your feet. You know, and I don't know about you, but maybe you came into this place and you you kind of felt similar to how I felt. I don't, I, even if your father was good, 
could you imagine how important a father is in a child's life? So many things that I went through, absent from an earthly father. And trust me, I got daddy issues. You have one conversation with me, I'm crying because I have daddy issues. Anybody got daddy issues? I got daddy issues. It's okay. And you know, here's the truth. If an earthly father being in your life is that important, can you imagine doing life without your heavenly father? Can you imagine doing life without your eternal father? I'd be so lost. Maybe you're here today and you can't. You're saying, I see him as God. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the prince of peace. He's a mighty God. But father, what if I challenge you today to open up your heart and welcome in the greatest father you will ever have our Heavenly Father. Can we bow our heads?